BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Jeff Hodge is my special guest taking your calls on everything from broad beans, hedges and, of course, Christmas cacti. We've also got some top tips of things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls this week and we start with Beverly from Canoodon. Two questions for you. Um, one is about the Cornus Winter Flame, yep. which uh, I've had for three or four years and it's sort of outgrowing its space. Is it all right to, tr- to cut it back? Right, and should we go? Should I cut it back? Right, so when? now, Jeff, Jeff, now let's do that one first, Beverly, shall we? And then we'll move on to your second question. How about yes, that? Please. Shall we do yes, that? Please. So, the corners, Jeff, really, I mean, in the books, it'll tell you to do it every year. Do you cut cornice every year in your garden? I recommend cutting back cornice either every year or every other year, or if it is other cornice and not this particular one, then pruning them. One stem, one year, and then and the another stem, stem. And the next. So you've got some height all year round. But what about this one? Well, win- winter flame... It's not the most vigorous, is it? No. Most, most cornus that you buy, uh, th- things like Siberica, which is the bright red one, um, or, or anything that has got a thicker stem, are best hard pruned. And by that, I mean you literally chop them down to an inch or two from mm. ground level. But yeah. those are Cornus alba varieties, and this is a different species. This is Cornus sanguinea, and it doesn't produce as thick stems, so you can't prune it as hard, but you can prune it down by around about half. And I would still recommend you do that every year, or, or at least every other year. And the time to do it is in April, Beverly. Because, in April, no, right. the reason, And the reason okay. for that, Beverly, the reason for that, Beverly, is that the idea of all cornices is that you enjoy them giving you yes. winter colour. That's what yeah. it's all about. Yeah. And if you, and if you don't prune the stems, the, the colour intensity fades. Goes brownish, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I've seen some dogwoods, some red stem, in, in inverted commas, red stem dogwoods that haven't been pruned for 10, 12 years and they are literally brown. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so, no, mine's a- lovely and red. Good. Good. April's the time to do it. Right. Okay, Beverly, what's your second question then? It's about Alstroemeria. Yeah. Uh, I have two tubs full of it. Mm -hmm. um, And they're still, they're about two to three feet tall and now still producing buds. Should I cut them back or pull them up or what should I do? Well, personally. I mean, normally when I pull them out for the bud, I pull them out from the bottom. Well, personally, if if they were still flowering, I'd, I'd leave them well alone and just so would en- I. and just enjoy the flowers. Okay, yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's basically because we've you know the weather is, is still so qu- mild, still quite mild, yeah. and we haven't really had any sort of real drops in temperature that they don't think it's winter yet. So they've just carried on flowering and flowering. So I, okay. I would just leave them and enjoy them. Okay, and they'll they'll just carry on through this coming year. Quite possibly, yeah. Yeah, as long right. as you as long as you keep you know keep the compost on the moist side and and feed regularly to, oh, to make yes, sure they've I'll got plenty that. of food. Um, they, they may just carry on and and flower for twelve months. Doesn't okay. matter. Okay. Okay. Lovely. 
lovely. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you, Beverly. And just to remind, I mean, it's 10 degrees today. I mean, it is. It is mild for this. Well, I was wondering, I, I've been wondering in the last week if, I, if I've been ill because <laughs> I haven't actually had the heating on in the house. And I'm thinking this time last year, I'm sure it was on. I think I was almost setting it to go on all night long because it was so cold. <laughs> So the gas man's not going to be very happy with me. Oh, I'm, you've I'm upset. Not, They'll I'm, have to put the prices I'm up not, again. He probably will. Probably will. <laughs> now we go through Richard from Sudbury. Now, you're talking about broad beans. Now, have you got them in the ground or are they in containers? What are you doing, Richard? Oh, hello. Good morning. Yeah, they're, they're on my allotment, they are. Uh, I bet they're I high, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I, I planted them uh, back in October and... Uh, what happened? They, they they became so tall they they started growing through the through the netting that I had. So I took the covers off, mm-hmm. and uh, I came down to the allotment this morning. Something's uh, nipped the top off them. That looked more than likely pigeons, but uh, uh, I just wonder if there's any chance for them whether they'll grow back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. just sprout from the sides, yeah, won't absolutely. they? Absolutely, yeah. Broad beans, well, most beans, but particularly broad beans, will will side shoot. In fact, sometimes as they grow up, it's worth nipping the centres out anyway, isn't it, Jeff? To get them to bush, yeah. So there shouldn't be any problem at all. You're probably right that it is probably pigeons that have had a go at them. Um, although you know badgers will as well, and there's quite a few other things, but pigeons are the worst. But yeah, once you, as with any pruning, if once you take the growing tip out, you get side shoots forming, and broad beans will regularly do that, no problem. And in fact, you'll probably get a better, bigger yield because you'll have more side shoots, and more side shoots means more flowers, and more flowers means more beans. Oh, great! So they've actually done me a favour. They have indeed. They, yeah. <laughs> they yes. probably have. So thank you, yeah. pigeons in Sudbury. You've done Richard a favour. And How fact, about that? In fact, in future years, you'll probably be asking them to come in and do it for you. And they won't because it'll be too cold. <laughs> they won't have grown as much. But Richard, it is a reminder. Just as Jeff said, it's worth picking the centres out of your broad beans anyway. Once they get mm. up to a tolerant, you know, not too high, really, is yeah. it? Yeah. You know, four inches, five inches. Well, particularly as Richard has done, you, you yeah. sow them in the autumn because you know, and you That's sow the them as time. It is, yeah, certainly for an early crop. And then, of course, we get this unseasonably mild weather, and they don't do what you were expecting them to do. Okay, then, Richard. Okay, thank you very much. That is Happy a pleasure. Uh, thank you very much yeah, indeed. And bring me some of the beans in when, yeah, they, when you, when you lo- shell them. I nothing like for all beans. beans. Uh, Daphne in Thundersley, could you give us a call back? Uh, something's um, gone amiss. We've lost you somewhere in the system. Daphne in Thundersley, give us a call back and we will chat to you as well. We're going to go to Alan now. And Alan, you are in Chelmsford. Hello, Alan. Hi, Ken. Hi, Jeff. Uh, I've, I've heard the strap line... Beans means hinds, but I've never heard the strap line, shoots means beans. <laughs> well, you can't use that because I've just patented it. So I'll sue you, I'll sue you if you use it. Fair so, enough, what, Jeff, fair enough. What are you talking about today, Alan? Right, I've got a large holly tree in my back garden, and um, every year it's normally smothered in berries. Uh, this year there's only just a sprinkling of berries on it? Yeah. Um, I, any idea what the cause may be? Yeah. Could be a load of things. Um, do you only have the one, Holly? Uh, there's the one large one, and there's a little tiny one that's only about, oh, just a little uh, twig about, Two foot tall, the other side of the garden. Okay. And how, and how about your neighbours? 
and whatsoever. Okay. None whatsoever. Okay. I, I don't know whether you know anything about sex, Alan. Uh, well, I, I've been known to. Okay. All right. Because hollies are either male or female, and obviously only the females produce berries because us men can't have babies. And Again, I don't know whether you knew that. Um, so it's quite possible that because yours is a female and you don't have another male growing in the garden, it is being pollinated by another male in the area, you know, living down the road some uh, by a, a couple of houses away. It's possible that that one has been has been taken out, and so therefore now there is there's no male for it to for for pollination and sex purposes. It could okay. be that it could be that um, after the hot, dry summer, that it got badly affected, and and I would say the the hot, dry summer is is the bigger reason. But either of those are the most likely. Although there are numerous things that can affect pollination uh, and therefore berry production, and particularly in plants that have, you know, sexes on different plants, because obviously the pollen has to fly uh, or be moved. Well, fly, mo- moved. Be moved, yeah, yeah, a, a long way between the two trees. And in fact, funny enough, right. hollies generally have been good this year. I mean, a lot of hollies are producing a lot of berry, aren't I, they? Well, I've seen a, I've, I've seen both. You've I've, seen both. I've yeah. seen hollies with loads of berries and, and hollies with, with no lo- berries, with very little berry. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's a suck it and see one with Alan, really, isn't it, on that one? He's not going to find out the answer. It's just perhaps nature nature yep. taking its course. Yeah, but I would imagine... Yeah, I, 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 was, I was just really being curious as to why. Um, yeah. There are literally... I've just had a quick look at I me. Mean, the trees virtually... Is, it it goes, grows up past the gutter on the house, not as uh, high as the top there, so it's quite a big job. And... Um, it's normally smothered in them, but this yeah. year, literally about 20. Yeah, once, once holly trees get into their, their fruiting habits, they, they do tend to be quite regular and productive. But I, obviously something has happened over the last, well, it, it basically from spring to summer of last year to prevent the female flowers from being pollinated. Time now to take a look at Plant of the Week which is witch hazels, or hamamelis. They originated from America, Japan and China, um, and they're quite an interesting plant. In 1879, they were brought to Veach Nursery in the UK, and they really are, they're a deciduous shrub. The colour in autumn is really fantastic. Lovely orangey, golden, reddish colours the leaves go. The leaves are quite large, actually. Um, they're about three to five inches. They are, you know, quite a, a, an ovate. But it's a largish shrub. We buy them as fairly small shrubs, but they can grow 10 to 15 feet if you leave them long enough. Or oh, you live long enough, there is, that is. How do they get their name? Well, I'll tell you what, their name's quite intriguing because it actually is linked to um, Hamamelis is a basically a bed stem plant that flowers this month and goes on till about March. It has four slender petals on it. They're yellow, pale or dark through to reds, but part of it is sort of... Um, a quarter of it in two of the sections has this black glossy seed. Now that seed, intriguingly, stays with the plant all the way through till the autumn. Then it explodes and it can go many, many feet. It really can. 
many, many feet. In fact, it's been recorded up to 20 feet away. Absolutely incredible. They like partial shade, most soils, um, and they don't like standing drought at all. What are my favourites? Well, the good old yellow, Hamamelis mollis, is my favourite. Bright yellow. There are reds, Diane, deep reds, Livy, Angelina, bronze. There are many, many different colours. But it brings colour to your garden at this time of the year. Absolutely superb. Interestingly, you can make the actual witch hazel liquid from it. Uh, you cut pieces of bark off, you boil them for 10 minutes, and uh, there you go. That's how you get witch hazel. Oh, you have to strain it a bit. But uh, don't cut loads of bark off your witch hazels because you'll ruin them. They are. Go out in your garden centre and your nursery. Have a look for winter flowering shrubs. Witch hazels will be in your face. Buy one. Get one in your garden. Carlin Highwood, what Hello, are we... Ken. Are we talking hedges today? We are. <coughs> yes, um, there was a, a large... Uh, Lalandi hedge between my neighbours and myself. I must point out there's no dispute. We are great friends. But over the last two years, two of these uh, Lalandi trees, which are hedges, have died. Last year, we cut one down and dug it out. This year, another one moved down the hedge and we cut another one out. Previous to this, there was a Victoria plum and a small apple tree in my friend's garden, about 20 feet away. And this year, also, I've lost two roses my side of the, the fence. Now, in October this year, before we dug it out, there was a load of toadstools around uh, the top of where the base of where this la, la, land eye was. Now, we're wondering, is it honey fungus? And if it is, is there anything we can do? Sounds like good old nature's doing its job with all these fungi this year, isn't it? It's a great year for fungus, isn't it, well, Jeff? Uh, great year for fungus, unless it, unless it is honey fungus, and then it's, you're, you're not going to be quite so you happy. You won't be so happy. What do you think, Jeff, on um, that one? Well, if you've got, if you've got um, a range of different plants growing in a garden that are dying and you can't find any other reason, and obviously you know, those plants could, could die for uh, numerous reasons, that, that's and, and, the difficulty, and, isn't it? And I would never go straight to honey fungus as being the reason. It could have been the hot summer. It, well, it could have been the cold spring last year, followed by the hot summer. It could have been mm -hmm. weather conditions two, three, four years ago. And that's sometimes how long it takes for trees to die, to, to get affected. Um, but honey fungus will affect a, a wide range of uh, uh, woody plants, mainly trees and shrubs. Um, and if you have got it, then, you know, it, it will kill plants that are susceptible. The fact that you've had mushrooms, um, you know, if they were honey fungus mushrooms, then you'd need to go online and look at for an identification. But, you know, there are literally tens of thousands of different species mm -hmm. of fungi, all of which their purpose in life is, is to recycle natural organic material. They are nature's natural recyclers. Yeah. Our gardens would be dead Without, if, them, without fungi, mm. because they are br what breaks down all the plant material into the nutrients that the plants then use. So your first thing to do is to identify the, the toadstools and work right. out what that species is. And if you can't look online, there are books available are with, books. With, them, with them all yep. there. The, 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 it, the main ways to identify honey fungus is to, um, if there is a tree that is dying, 
obviously you can't do it with the dead one because it's probably too late. You yeah. go about a foot above ground level and then you strip off about a, a, a foot long collar of the outer bark. Now, obviously, when yeah. you do that, you're going you're gonna to kill the plant anyway because yeah, you won't it, be able to survive. But if it's dying anyway, it's it doesn't no, not lost. And underneath that uh, outer layer of bark, there should be a white sheath, a white mycelial sheath, and that is the, the, the actual living body of the fungus, and it should smell typically of mushrooms. That is the only characteristic, the traditional characteristic symptom of honey fungus. You can also look in the soil. <clears throat> and you find boot lace looking things. Yeah, honey you. fungus spreads. Honey fungus spreads by these boot laces. Yeah, so yeah. If, if you dig in the soil, you, you might need to go 18 inches down. That's yeah. usually the depth that they will go down to in the soil. And you are looking for, basically, as Ken says, these things look that like look boot, like black boot. boot laces. So if you have the, mycel the white mycelial sheath on the trunk, if you, yeah. have the, if you have the boot laces and you have fungi... Um, toadstools that look like mush, uh, honey fungus mushrooms then those are the three characteristics of right. honey fungus and yes you have honey fungus if you don't have uh, those three things or certainly the mycelial sheath you haven't got honey fungus it's anything else and it's something else that yeah. may have killed those plants which could be phytophthora yeah. root rot it could be cold weather it could be drying out yeah. it could be it could be stress it could be a hundred and one different things and yeah, those the are... thing is right next to the fence on my side i have a very large camellia and it's really healthy and uh, it's not affected that but either side it's uh, these trees have gone and what I would like to ask, this Lalandi hedge, which is, my, which is obviously a, a, a border, um, when is the best time to cut it back? Because often when you cut them back, they go brown. I no. need to know. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It's interesting you say they will go brown. They will not go brown if you cut them correctly because right. you do not get regrowth from cutting into the wood of a Lalandi. So, in fact, what you have to do, you have to think of it purely as a hedge and you treat it as a hedge. In other words, you trim it, face it continuously. However, you can cut the tops out and you can do that really any time, can't you, Jeff, from spring onwards. In all honesty, it wouldn't hurt. Well, would I, 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 the best times to trim a hedge are from May? about May to about the end of August, possibly early September. September. And then I would always recommend that yeah. you do your topping out of the height at exactly that time as well. Yeah, we, we don't have a problem with the height. It's just the face. And I yeah. so now would be a wrong time to do it. Oh, totally. Totally, totally because wrong. Because what you do is you induce new growth, which if and it's got a big capital I this year, if we get any cold weather, it will burn it. Yep. Right. But remember... So leave it till May yep. and do it in May. Yeah. Everything should be OK. But never, ever, ever cut it back into old woods. You have right. to have... You yes. have to have green showing on yeah. the sides. Otherwise, it will never, ever reshoot. It will never, ever reshoot. And there are plenty of brown Lalandi hedges where people have tried doing that. Uh, let's now go to Jack in Stamford La Hope. Hello, Jack. Good morning to both of you. Happy New Year to you both. Thank you very much. And uh, it's just a simple question from... Some of us over the allotment this year have grown celeriacs, are they? Yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we haven't been very successful. They've they've been all roots, all roots, and no globe at all. Oh, okay. oh no, I see what you mean. Yeah, because we're looking at each other thinking, yeah, God, no, no root, because that's, normally that's, it's that's a what, bulbous that, piece. That's what you want. You that's, want the root. It's like a yeah, swede, it's, isn't it? It's all lots of little feeders off of it. There's no 
There's no bulb as the main main thing. It's all thousands of little, yeah. little weather, roots. Weather? Well, there's lots of things to say, Jack. First of all, celeriac isn't always the most successful to grow. It's difficult, isn't it? Did you sow them directly into the ground or did you start them off inside in cell trays or, or seed trays? Well, I myself started them off in trays, but I think others just planted straight into the yep. soil. OK, if you're going to try them off inside, never use a cell, a seed tray. Always use cell trays. They hate disturbance. They hate root right. disturbance. And from your description, root disturbance is one of the biggest things that will do them. So you, you sow them individually into a cell tray and then when the, um, the, the, the roots are filling out the, the cell, you, you plant basically them. plant out a, a plug plant. Um, they are very prone to, to doing what you've just, just described if you put them out too early, if you put them out into cold soil uh, and you haven't warmed the soil up um, uh, enough, early enough. And then you have to keep them growing really well without any checks in growth. And I would imagine this summer being so hot and dry if you allowed them to dry out you know unless you were really attentive on them they probably did dry out and that's possibly done for them as well and that's happened on a lot of Absolutely. root vegetables and hasn't root it vegetables generally yeah yeah is there, is there any any particular feed or soil they should have well or if you well no if you if you if you grow them properly I They'll mean, obviously, grow. obviously, they need a good soil. All vegetable need some sort of fertilizer, but they just need some fertilizer. There's no special fertilizer. It's more to do with the not giving them root disturbance, not sowing them too uh, early into cold soil, um, and making sure that they are kept well watered. And that's the secret of celeriac. I'll be reporting back on Monday. Good man. Okay. Yep. Okay. Thank you very much. No that's, problem. Uh, that's an interesting one to go for there. And I we, love celeriac, but they can be is, they can be tricky. devils to grow, aren't they? And in fact, they're they're nicer when you grow them yourself. They taste a lot lot better, don't they? They than, do. Uh, mm, yeah. Those that come from all over the world. <laughs> Literally, they're not grown, literally. And they are, because they're not grown much in this country as a crop, not, are not they? Commercially, not commercially. No. Not commercially, are they at all? Uh, let's go to Lynn in Great Dumbo. Sorry to have kept you waiting there, Lynn. What okay. you got? Uh, what's um, your question today, Lynn? I've got to move some hydrangeas paniculata. Yeah. Um, would I be able to move them now? Okay, Lynn, um... When deciduous plants like hydrangeas are dormant, that is the best time to move them. So basically, once they've dropped all their leaves in the in late autumn and before they start putting on new leaves in the spring, that is the best time to move them. So ideally, in theory, yes, perfect time to do it now. Lovely. Thank you very much. Just a couple of things to say. Um, yeah, he's never. He's not finished. He's <laughs> yeah, not finished. Yeah. Lady I mean, if, you know, if, if you if you don't want to know any more, then no, I'll, I'll on, shut up. No. Uh, okay. Um, obviously, you are going to be the problem when you move a plant. If you think about it logically, its roots support its top growth, and its top growth supports its roots. That's how plants grow. And when you move something, you are bound to remove some of its roots, which give, which gives mm. an imbalance onto how much root is left to support the top growth. And so therefore some plants can get what we, what we say is stressed and they can struggle to grow, which is why it's always recommended that you cut off some of the top growth to sort of um, balance out the root growth that you are going to chop off. So I would, uh, with, when moving deciduous plants, I always recommend that cut you, you cut them back hard. 
Yeah. And then okay. you water them the day before, 24 hours before you're about to move them. You thoroughly water the soil to make sure the roots are charged. And then you dig up as big a root ball as you can possibly manage or you and a couple of friends can manage. And then you replant at exactly the same depth in well-prepared soil and you water in thoroughly. The only uh, proviso on moving hydrangeas and cutting them back this hard is that but that basically means they aren't going to flower in 2019 because they, you are going to be cutting off all the growth with the flower buds on. So you, okay. won't get, so you won't get any flowers in 2019, but they'll start flowering again in 2020. So do you cut them back? Well, if you want, if you want to guarantee success, you cut do them cut back. back. If you want to take the risk because you want flowers in 2019, don't. But don't blame me when they die. <laughs> OK, thank you very much. <laughs> OK, Lynn. Back to your gardening questions in a moment. But right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Jeff, what have you got this what week? What have I got? Well, we, uh, we've always been very keen on container gardening, but more and more people are having more and more containers. That's because they haven't got big gardens. Uh, precisely, yes. Or they want to beautify their patio. Um, and... Even at this time of year, everybody thinks, oh, well, you know, the plants are out there, they can get on with it. But it's still possible for the compost in your containers to dry out. So every now and again, open the back door, go out, have a quick wander outside, stick your finger into the compost and see if it is moist or whether it started to dry out um, and give it a little bit of a watering just to make sure that it doesn't turn into dust. Particularly so with hanging baskets because they generally even in this weather and particularly if they're under an eave or a covered area can dry out very very easily. Now if we get any cold weather, if we get any cold weather then it's always a good idea to make sure that um, the, the roots of the plants in containers are protected simply because you know they're above ground they are more um, open to cold weather so it's a good idea to insulate the pot bubble wrap whatever you've got something that will insulate the roots don't be putting bubble wrap over the top of plants that's the worst thing you do isn't yeah it? It, it makes them sweat and, and they can rot and then finally for this this container piece um if you're going to do a lot of containers or even if you're going to do lots of seed sowing, just pop along to your local garden centre or, or your local nursery. They've probably just recently had in their new stocks of compost and that compost will be the new batch. It'll be nice and fresh. And they quite often at this time of year to entice some money out of you have offers. So you can sort of pick up lots and lots of compost for the year ahead and save yourself a few bob at the same time. Thanks, Jeff. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's go to Billericay and talk to Shirley. Shirley, what are you asking about today? Uh, good morning to you both. Um, I, mine's an indoor hydrangea. I was given it about nine months ago, and it, to be honest, it had blue blue flowers on it. That's why I was given to it. Yeah, given it to me, but. It's, it was didn't look very well then, and since then it didn't do very well. So I cut it down, and I've got three new shoots from it. Well, they have been coming up lovely with leaves, and and they've got leaf buds on them now. But it looks, it, it keeps on losing leaves. I, I water it very little. So I've left, and it still, still left leaves, um, you know, dying off. Uh, so I stopped watering it. And the leaves are still falling off. So is that right, right. or should I well, just give up on it? Let, let's start at the beginning. 
Jeff, these hydrangeas basically are an outdoor plant that has been grown as a container plant, really, aren't they? There are not, not necessarily. Well, some of the, not necessarily. No, well, there are some that have been developed for the houseplant trade. Precisely. But what we're saying is that they're really a flowering plant that you can't expect particularly to come back into bloom indoors, can I, you? I, no, I, I don't think hydrangeas are a fabulous houseplant, whether they are... Ones that have been specially, yeah, or, a spe- or, or especially bred one, because they are a hard, you know, hardy in inverted Shrub, commas plant. Yeah. And houses, the average house, unless you keep your house near near to, to freezing as possible, the average house is too hot, is too dry, and that quite often encourages red spider mite, and they are martyrs to red spider mite when you grow them as a houseplant, which will then cause the leaves to mottle, go, <coughs> go brown yeah, and, fall and fall off. off. So it could be that you're, you've underwatered it. It could be that you've overwatered it. It could be that you've now got a, you've got a cycle of underwatering, overwatering. It could be too hot and or you've got red spider mite. Yes, we've got hydrangeas in the garden and they've, they've been beautiful. You know, yep. they've been fantastic. Yeah, well, the house, the house is a totally unnatural environment for every plant, but particularly those that prefer to grow outside because we don't keep our houses um, correct for growing houseplants, could, the, the vast mean, majority of us. Most houseplants that, um, like a hydrangea and we've got citrus plants that we put indoors, a cold conservatory plant. Cold conservatory. So, cold conservatory is would, the best and place. A, and that would grow really well in a cold conservatory. But you haven't got a cold conservatory, have you, Shirley? No, I haven't got a conservatory. I've only got You're going to have to build one, Shirley. <laughs> you got, you'll have to you have to build yourself a conservatory. And then you can grow azaleas and, and cyclamen yeah, and, and, everything. Ci- and citrus and olives. Oh, that's the secret. So now, yeah. now, Jeff, this is a it was a difficult thing to understand. If you've got a hydrangea, it was yeah. a blue. Sounds like a blue mop head type hydrangea. Yeah. What we yeah. don't know is whether it was one of the hardy, hardier varieties that you could grow out the door. So really, you have to take a risk, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But oh. but we've got to get it to the spring because if you put it out now, you'd do it a bit of a mischief, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, what I would now be thinking of is that I'm now going to grow this on as an outdoor plant. Um, but we've now had it in the house where it's very hot and to try and get it through to going outside into the garden, you've got to remove the molly coddling that you've given it for the last however months you've had it. So what I would be doing um, at uh, currently, very, very mild conditions. It's almost like the middle, middle of spring rather than the middle of winter. I would be putting that hydrangea outdoors every day. And if the temperatures at night drop below two to three centigrade, which they, again, they haven't done recently, oh. I would bring it indoors for the night and put it back out in the day. And I would do that for a fortnight. And providing we then don't get, you know, two, two weeks of minus 20, I'd plant it out in the garden. And it'll do. It'll have a much better chance as a as an outdoor plant than as a house plant. Oh, so it, yes, I see. So it's a live or die type thing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. No worries, Shirley. Thank That's you. Pleasure. In fact, it, it, we do get you know a lot of confusion, don't we, with plants that are that are being. It's nearly like domesticating dogs and cats, isn't it? From the wild, giving a it? wild dog and yes, well, yeah, and we're turning, doing the same into a pet, and yeah, we're doing absolutely. the same with plants, aren't we? We're slowly introducing certain varieties. We change them, we change them, we change. We cross pollinate and we yeah. make them bigger flowers and all this sort of thing. And then we sell them as a house plant, and everybody wonders why it doesn't grow yeah. well in it's very the un- house. It's very unfair, really, isn't it, to well, the, the plant. Whole- all houseplant growing is cruel. 
because unless you have a conservatory with the right light conditions, very, very, very few of us have the right conditions to grow house plants properly. And then we always get phone calls from, you know, it's growing tall and thin because I've stuck yeah. it in the corner of a room. All the leaves are going brown because it's too why dry. Why ficus benjamina dropped its leaves? Leaf. and you know. Most house plants, the fo particularly foliage house plants, grow in the wild. Because what you need to do when you think I about to grow any plant is to try and mimic its natural environment. Lots of the houseplants that we grow are, as you were just about to say, yeah. are, are tropical. tropical rainforests. Now, if, you, if I don't know if anybody's <laughs> ever been to a rainforest. The reason they call it a rainforest it's is because the humidity <laughs> is about 95%. 95% hu relative humidity. And that's why they grow so well, and it's lovely and humid. In our houses, and I've got a humidity meter in two of my rooms, in our houses... The relative humidity most of the time of day of and most times of year, even at this time of year, is forty percent. And so they nothing in comparison. And they want it? ninety percent, and we give them forty percent, and then we wonder why they die. Oh, eight hundred triple one forty forty one. That's the number to call. You can text me here in the studio on eight one triple three, or you can even email me if you like. Ken Crowler at bbc.co.uk. Well, you know what they say. If you if you want to increase that humidity, then you grow it in the bathroom or the kitchen because they're quite good. No, they're not because I, I one of my humidity meters is in my kitchen. And even with all four, and I've done this, I've experimented, all four burners on my stove yeah. boiling water for four hours, the humidity went up to 55%. Did you have your extractor fan on? Though? No, of course not. <laughs> How about your bathroom then? Have you worse, checked it? Worse. I, I, worse. I, I, Light levels are always bad in bathrooms I've, as well. Because they've got small windows. Yes. I filled, a sh I filled the bath full of water and I had a shower. And again, what did you get? Well, if, if it went anywhere above fifty-seven percent, don't forget, plant these plants yeah. need ninety percent. If it ever went above fifty-seven, that was very lucky. So basically, what you've got to do, if you want to grow them in in the bathroom, you have to have a shower every day of every well every hour of every day basically you've got to have the shower running constantly and if you're going to have them in the kitchen you've got to be <laughs> boiling water constantly and even that won't work <laughs> right. and then we wonder why our house plants don't yes. grow properly you're good for the house plant industry aren't you yeah well talking to which actually we are we are the best nation in the world for, for killing ki for killing houseplants yeah because you go to holland and you see them all in their windowsills don't yes, you? but they don't kill them they throw them out Ah, that's the trick, isn't it? We are renowned for, for keeping for, rubbish house plants. For buying the least, but killing the most. most. Because, if, because in, in Holland, in mainland Europe, they don't actually grow their house plants. They have them as an ornament, and when it goes over, they chuck it out. They use it as a vase of flowers. They don't kill it, they chuck it out, and they buy another one. I always remember my mother used to have, you know, some paulias, you know, some yeah, African, yeah, violets African violets with three leaves and one flower, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Throw it out. Oh, no, it will grow. Yes. No, it didn't. Well, that's, well, that's why we, we kill more houseplants than anybody else, because if we bought something that was, you know, initially 12, you know, a two foot high, and then the next year it is 18 inches high. And Go then, down and down. And then and you've got this tiny little stump with a half dead leaf on it. Will we throw it out as Brits? No. No, we will. 
I, I'll, I'll get it back. I'll bring it back. Come on, give us your success stories on houseplants and prove, prove us Jeff wrong. wrong. <laughs> 0800 4041. That's 0800 4041. We've got some texts here as well. That's on 81333. Start your message with Essex. Here's one from Simon in Benfleet. He says, I planted a row of two foot high cherry laurel last winter. And although they had they have grown since. Some have got brown leaves now that have fallen off. Why, Ken? Why have they cherry laurel? Does he mean, which laurel do you mean? Well, cherry laurel cherry is, is, is just prunus. Prunus laurisaceus. Yes. The common the, the, the laurel. Common laurel. He planted it last year, last winter, yeah. and it's gone brown. Last winter wasn't a great time to plant. No, I, no, I must agree. I, I, As it turned I, out, it was a bad was winter a to plant winter. because we had that rotten Beast spring. from then, the east. And then, and then we had that awful spring followed by a dry oh, summer. summer. I, would, I wouldn't panic, quite honestly, if there's... What, what we don't know, Simon, is whether they've got any new growth at all. Which if, they won't have necessarily now. But you might be able to scrape... By spring. Scrape the bark, see if it's... Uh, you know, alive underneath, which yeah. is white or green, yeah. and I wouldn't give up on laurel. I mean, laurel is a survivor. But yeah, I think you're right. I think we've had, under the circumstances, a bad time to plant, i.e. last winter. Then we had beasts from the east. Then we had the dry summer. And I think those factors are what have caused the leaves to brown. And, of course, if you haven't watered them properly during the summer months, that is going to make the situation worse. But as, as Ken says, I've... I would imagine, unless they are completely brown all over, that they are, come the spring, a little bit of nice uh, warm, warmer weather and some nice sunshine levels and the plant will start growing again. Which, at that point, you then may need to decide, depending on how they are growing and regrowing, whether they need cutting back and yeah. how much they need cutting back to bush them out to turn them into a good uh, yeah, I mean, I, I remember planting a hedge. So we're going to be going to Joan, Leon C, in just a moment. But I planted a hedge last, I can't remember when it was, but we put irrigation on it. It was a laurel hedge. Put irrigation on it. It's grown really well this year because, you know, the guy was great. He just plugged it in to a hose pipe and you Watered leave it, it. running yeah, overnight. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's grown really well. But it's fascinating, you know, even even... With us saying, "Oh, we've got to, we've got to tip it, we've got to tip it, we've got to make it." Oh, yeah, but I want it eight foot high. No, no, no! You've got to cut stuff back to make it branch yeah. to give it the thickness, isn't well, he, it? Well, you might get so, it. You might get it eight foot high, but it, be it thin. But it'll be thin, and it won't yeah. make a, a proper head. So it is important to look at the plants and decide whether you need to prune them to make them side branch. It is so important. In Let's fact, go. In fact, when you plant a hedge. Once you've you planted it, the first thing you should really do is cut it back. So there you are. Let's go back to the phones. And don't forget that number to call is 0800 4041. Let's go to Joe in Leon C. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Um, uh, I bought two shrub roses, royal um, dial, I think it was, they're called. And I put them into um, two big patio pots. They've done brilliantly they got really huge now do i cut them back or how do i look after them now okay well um bush roses um are are much better pruned and the little tiny roses you know in um sort of i think they were called shrub rather than oh they were shrub roses or the others 
How big? How big are these rows? You know, give. Did, they're quite tiny when they come out. Okay, so, so it's a patio. So it's, it's a patio rose. Okay, patio you, rose. Uh, you don't need to prune those as you would, um, as you mentioned, hybrid teas and floribundas. Yeah. Um, so basically, any pruning you do do is done at the same time as hybrid teas and floribundas, which is towards yeah. the end of February or early March. Right. And basically, I would wait to see... Uh, when you start to see new signs of new growth, so when the leaf buds start to to burst, you right. may that you may then find that you've got some very very thin growth that is yes. going to be very unproductive. You may find that you've got some already dead wood at, at the top of stems, right. and then I would then do the pruning then to remove anything that is thin and superfluous. Obviously, anything that mm. is dead. And if you've got a lot of congested growth in the middle of the plant, I would thin that out as well. That's sometimes quite difficult, actually, isn't it? Because of their growth type, uh, you really need to go in with secateurs and go right into the base of the plant to cut those right. deadish bits, thick bits out. Indeed, and but, but to wait until you get the signs yes. of new growth so that you know exactly what is alive and is growing and what is dead and, and isn't going to grow. They're much bigger than I thought they would <laughs> They can do. Okay, well, in that yeah. case, if you want to cut them back harder, you then can. then you yeah. can do. But, but it's February, March, and it's End really it's March. very much trim to shape with patio, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's, it's a bit yeah. like apple trees today. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, true. <laughs> and obviously, you know, they are roses, so they are going to need plenty of feeding. And and you know, the best way to feed roses is with a rose fertilizer. Lovely. Okay. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. We'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take our final look at the top tips Jeff has for us this week. OK, well, if like most of us, OK, well, well, when I say most of us, particularly me, and we've overindulged over the Christmas period... You wouldn't and, do that, would you? And we've piled on a few pounds, as long as your soil isn't waterlogged, very, very wet and heavy, and isn't frozen solid then if you want to try and work off a few of those excess pounds, you can pop out into the garden and do a bit of digging on any vacant ground. So, you know, if you've got the veg patch, that's a great place to start um, going out and digging over the soil. Is or, this with a spade, is it? With a spade. Would you do a spade yeah. or a fork? No, no, if, you, if you're trying to actually do proper digging. Spade. If there's a lot of weeds, and this is obviously when you're digging the soil over, you can get the weeds out as well, and there's a lot of... Uh, perennial deep-rooted weeds there then a fork is a good idea so I go with both I'm armed with both and I'll use them accordingly or maybe you're going to be thinking of putting in a new bed or a border for this coming year then um, again now's a good time to actually dig over the soil while you're doing that incorporate lots of bulky organic matter you want to get the soil improved you want the soil structure improved so that anything that goes in this year the roots can establish very, very quickly um, and get off to a flying start. And also organic matter, because most of us in this area have got lovely, heavy clay soil, it will help improve the structure. And if you are one of those people on that horrible, poor, sandy soil, then it will help to hold the moisture and the nutrients as well. Because sandy soils are very poor and impoverished. Now, you say organic organic material yeah does that mean that you should have had a compost well you should have had a compost you should have had a compost you could incorporate that but it, you've got to use it when it's what about a year old 
Well, when it's when it's about right, if you get if you get your compost incorrect, you might, and particularly in the summer, not so much at this time of year when it's colder, but in the summer, you might be able to make compost in three four months. So it's the condition of the compost. You and may if, have, you may have made some leaf mould yeah. a couple of years ago, and that Put might be ready. If not, you can buy it. You can buy yeah, um, well rotted manure, composted bark, anything in bulk. That's that's the important thing. Um, and it'll just improve your soil. Now, if you thinking, okay, I want to get into veg growing, another sort of idea, you know, and maybe you don't want to be digging over the soil. Maybe, you know, maybe you can't dig over the soil. Then a great way to, to grow vegetables, and this is what I do a lot at home, is to use raised beds. So you basically make a bed and usually contain it within a sort of a wooden framework yeah. and you put well-improved soil in there. Now, if you don't want to make raised beds... You could use with, containers, with, couldn't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, or you can just raise the soil up. But it, it particularly in heavy clay soils, it, it dries out and it warms up more quickly. So you can get off to a really good start. And if you want to... If you do want to get off to a really good start, because we're all getting a bit twitchy now. I think, ooh, ooh, Spring's ooh, not far ooh, away. Can I start sowing? <laughs> it's far too cold to actually direct sow into the soil at this time of year but you can warm the soil up clear polythene sheeting not black black actually cools the soil down at this time of year clear polythene sheeting over the top that will warm the soil up all the weeds will germinate all the weed seeds will germinate you think oh no and you think yeah but great hoe those off and then you've got what we call a, a sterile seed bed because then you'll have less weed problem during the rest of the year and finally on this similar subject if I mean this is what I, I on my allotment it's heavy clay soil yep. I never walk on the soil or use a board or? I use a board but no actually what I've done now is I've actually put in permanent paths that's a good idea yeah because if you walk on heavy clay soil you will compact it you will destroy the structure and nothing will grow properly there you are thank you Jeff that sounds like we've got a lot to do in the garden well at least to look forward to if the weather's right Let's now go to Tony from Benfleet. Hello, Tony. Uh, good morning, King. Good morning, Jeff. Hi, um, Tony. Hiya. Um, my partner has. We got some mangoes from the. Look, um, are we? Are we? Are we going to start a domestic? Because otherwise, no, we'll, we'll no, hang no, up no, on no. you. <laughs> no. Um, right. No. She got, uh, got some mangoes from a supermarket, and yeah. she got one of the pits out of it, or stone, whatever they're called. And if you put it in water and it's rooting. Yep. Um, what 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 sort of soil do we need? To put in the pot? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it's more what what how big a conservatory do you need to build if you want to try and grow it? <laughs> but it's yeah, good. Yeah. But but Tony, I mean, and Jeff will agree, it is fun to grow some of these things, even if they yeah. don't come to fruition, isn't it? Don't you agree? Yeah. Yes, I, I think it, I think the emphasis is definitely on it's fun to grow, it's interesting to grow. Please don't expect um, anything to, to really happen with it. Um, yeah. uh, well, I, personally, I would always, for, for something like this, for a mango, for, for a lot of sort of permanent, in, well, it's not going to be that permanent because it'll be dead in a couple of years at, at the most, uh, for, for permanent planting, um, I would go for a mixture of um, John Innes number three, 50-50 with any multi-purpose compost. Oh, lovely. Does that help? No, that's fine. And when when should I plant it? Um, I mean, the roots are coming out, and it's just showing the um, 
tops them with the green leaves on you know the, with the green the, leaf on it the day the danger is if you leave it with water, the root will become very fragile. And what will happen yeah. is as you plant it, there's a good chance you'll break it off. So yeah. I wouldn't let the root grow too large. Would you, Jeff? I would. Uh, no, I would totally agree. I would wait until you start to see signs of, of leaf growth, which, is, which, issues, which it sounds it? like you've got. Yeah. And then I would transplant it straight away. But as Ken says, Roots grown in water are very brittle, so you are going to need to pot it up very, very carefully. Don't and hammer it into the ground. No, no, because <laughs> you'll just snap all the roots off. And don't yeah. over-pot it, so put it in as small a pot as you think you can get away with. Yeah. yeah okay. That's Tony, and ring us on a regular basis and let us know how you're getting on with your mango. Okay? And, when, and, yeah. when it, and when it fruits, when it yeah. fruits, can I have the first one? <laughs> no, how dare you? How absolutely dare you? Thank you, Tony. That's lovely to hear people have, having a crack. I'll probably be dead before it fruits anyway. <laughs> if, it, if it ever does. Uh, <laughs> Daphne, hello, Daphne. What you got for us today? Hello, da- hello Ken. Um, I've got a crisp. Well, I had an old Christmas flowering cacti, but listening to what you're saying about throwing stuff out the Dutch, I'm wondering if I should have done this but a couple of years ago I actually took this old woody one apart and put, put the, the uh, stems into compost which have done really well, they've been really healthy, they look shiny and, and I've kept them going yeah. but they haven't had any flowers Okay, um, once you split, once you split in inverted commas Christmas cacti, they can take a couple of years to to build up themselves to flowering size, right. and it, a lot will depend on how big a pot they went into. So, how big right. a pot did how big a pot did they go in? How, well, how big a pot are they in? Uh, quite not very big. It was smaller than the one it was in. Um, uh, but I I just wonder if I should have fed fed it. I haven't fed it. Never. Never you, fed it. You sound very cruel, Daphne. She is, isn't she? How would you like? How would you like it if I stuck you in a pot in, or in the, stuck you in the middle of the room and didn't throw you a bag of chips and a bit of steak on a regular basis? You wouldn't be very happy, would you? No, you I would, wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to perform properly, would you? So what should I feed it with? Well, I would use any any good uh, f- liquid feed. Li- any liquid fertilizer. One that's like, you know, tomato. Tomato. Tomato food yeah. would be brilliant. And oh, I would fine. and I would start. You uh, do it I, now. I would start now. Yeah. And then feed it throughout the summer. Then give it a rest. Give it a rest, Daphne, in the autumn, and yes. that should help it to build up its flower buds. But okay. I think you. Pro- I think you'll probably find it's just a little bit young, and it may still be developed trying to uh, build up a good root system before you start getting any flowers. Okay. okay. Yeah, lovely. Thank you very much. No worries. That's Daphne, and we go to Douglas from Eastwood. Douglas, what are we talking oh, about with this? Good morning. Good morning, Good morning, there. Ken. Good morning, James. Um, morning. 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 I've got a fourth-year flowering, climbing hydrangea. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Now, I've planted it in, in general compost for it coming up three, four years ago. Vitex I've used on it. Fertiliser. The thing is, never, ever flowered. And I was told by the nursery it might take two years, but this is its fourth year. What am I done wrong? So you've got this growing up a wall or something like that? It's on my trellis, my arch in the, in, in the garden. And, and it's, about, it's about 12 foot high, beautiful yep. green leaves, no yep. flowers. When do you, do you prune it? 
I have done in the past, yes. And there you go. That's the spring. That's probably your answer. Best to leave it alone. They they are best left. Um, Climbing hydrangeas, hydrangea anomala petiolaris, produces its flower buds on growth that comes away sideways on side shoots. And quite often what happens it and quite often what happens is that people and it does take it can take four years to reach flowering size anyway. Oh, I see. But basically what happens is that people want it nice and flat against their wall or against so their cut trellis. The and then some and then all these growths start growing away from the trellis and they think, Oh, I don't want that and I'll cut and cut those off and those are the flower buds. So leave <laughs> pr- leave pruning alone. The trouble is every time I walk under the arch they strangle me. There you go, you see. <laughs> Then it sounds like it might be the wrong plant for the, for the wrong, wrong place. place. <laughs> Move it. Put it somewhere else. Put it somewhere else, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, okay, and with those, you can cut them hard back and move them, and they, they will tolerate it, Absolutely. won't they, quite yeah. quite easily. Yeah. So um, we now go to Marion in Rochford. Yes, Marion, what have we got? Hello, Mark. Hello there. I've got a beautiful white amaryllis. Show off. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yep. Um, as I said, it's in full bloom. I've got four, four or five great big flowers, like lily flowers on it. What do I do when it goes over? Okay, this is very important if you want it to flower next year. So right. as soon as the flowers fade, you remove the flowers and the developing seed pod that is developing behind the back of the flower. You leave the flower stalk, the green stalk, on, and you leave all the green leaves on. Because this, after flowering, is... Any leaves on it at all? You leave all the leaves on. Do not take any leaves off when they are green. Oh, right. Because they need those leaves to feed up the bulb to produce the flower buds for next year. And after flowering is the most important part of its life cycle. So you keep it well watered if it needs watering and you feed it regularly once a week, once a fortnight, whatever it says on the fertilizer container while it is in green leaf. Right, you are. Sometime in spring or maybe early what summer. Do I do with the hang on, hang on, hang on. Calm down. I'm just about to tell you. In, sometime in spring or, or summer, the leaves will start to go yellow. That means the bulb has reached its, its full size. It is now g- going into its dormant period. As soon as that happens, stop feeding, stop watering. You can then, uh, when the leaves have all died, i.e. gone brown, you can cut any off. You then leave it in its pot. You put it somewhere cool and out of the way. And then, oh, you, can, and then you can start f- watering again in autumn for next year. Oh, darling, thank you so much. My pleasure. Okay, there. Oh, no. Thank you, and we wouldn't be wouldn't be wouldn't be right, would it, to not have a, a question like that really at this time of year? Would it? No, d- uh, we definitely have to have an amaryllis question. And now in we yes, we do indeed. Now let's go to Dennis in Wickford. Hello, Dennis. Oh, good morning. Uh, just a quick one again. Uh, Stephanosis. Yep. Um, I I love them. I buy them every year. Seasonal. Plants. Um, I've I've managed to keep a couple going for a couple of years, but no flowers. <laughs> it's. It, did you did you hear us talking about house plants earlier on? <laughs> at all? Um, no, no I'm, I'm afraid I must have missed up. That's part all of the right. Joke. No, no. It's an interesting. It, it's the same problem. Is that a Stephanotis is grown to peak 
for you to enjoy the beautiful perfume of the flower, as lovely waxy flowers as they are. And then it, the plant needs nurturing with moist, with nice moisture, misting on a regular basis. Good light. Good light. And it, they are a struggle to get back into flower, aren't they, Jeff? Where do you grow it, Dennis? Um, I have it by the window, but I must admit, you, you just said um, about misting it. I water it. I may overwater it. I, I've no idea how to look after it properly, I must admit. Okay, the, the, uh, as with all houseplants, the best thing to do is to keep the compost evenly moist. You only ever use uh, tepid water. You never use cold water. And mist on a regular basis. You mist it. And the most important thing is, is good light levels, which means that this is another plant that if you want to grow it properly, you have to shell out 20 grand to buy yourself a conservatory first because that's the best place to grow them. Okay, well, it's, um, it is on a windowsill and it's quite a light room, so... Okay, I will just pay attention to the watering then and, and, and the misting. Mist, and misting is so important, Dennis. That really is with houseplants. I've got several um, several texts that I'd like to go through. Uh, this is Roger, who has a, a, bas- a fuchsia in a basket. It's all leaf. The leaf has fallen off. Sorry, the leaf has all fallen off. Should they regrow next year? Now, it's in a basket, so he's obviously got a fuchsia basket, hasn't he? Yeah, well, fuchsias are, all fuchsias yeah. are perennial, so yes, it will start reshooting in spring. So, Roger, you've got nothing to worry about. If it's not hardy, though, and we get bad weather, that could be a little bit dodgy, couldn't it? Well, it depends where it is. It depends on the temperature. Yeah. But basically, when it uh, comes into growth in spring, I would cut it back hard. Cut it back hard to, to depending on the growth of it now, maybe a couple of inches from ground level. Okay. Ah, hi. <laughs> Houseplant. Hi. I had a cyclamen for 33 years and it's just gone and died. But Vicky has got seeds from it uh, that have grown. So they are. She's. Okay. That's right. not. No, that's and good. We were being rude about houseplants and cyclamen was a favourite houseplant of years ago, wasn't I, it? I hope she's. I hope she's got good patience because it'll, <laughs> it'll probably be ni- uh, 20, 25 before she gets any flowers on them. I was given a cho- uh, no, I wasn't. I was given a Victoria plum tree for Christmas. When should I put it in the ground? Now. It's in the large box. Get now. it out there. Plant it now. Get it out there and get it planted. That is so important indeed. ASAP. Uh, I did say chocolate, didn't I? Where can I get chocolate, chocolate orange seeds from, and when do I sow them, chocolate and what, what soil type? <laughs> uh, thank you, Chris from Braintree. <laughs> That's a nice one. That is a nice one. And last but definitely not least, actually, I think you get them from the same place as you get the matchmaker mint mint <laughs> seeds <laughs> and last but not least ken and team thanks for a great year of entertaining advice and that is from mike in colchester which is a really you nice sure that's one not, you sure that wasn't your mum no no that's okay. not my mum but i hope the boss was listening because uh, she might really <laughs> Realise how great this gardening program is. What don't do you reckon, don't forget, Jeff? To, don't forget to add it to the podcast. That that comment, in fact, start and tail the, the podcast with that comment. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this program and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 and be part of the program every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts.